Good morning, everyone. This is Rodell with Behold the Connection. I'm saying good morning because it is 5.30 in the morning here, and I woke up. This was laid on my heart, this podcast, and in response to a message I got in the middle of the night. So today we're going to be talking about how we don't control others and what that can look like for us. So what, where does that leave us? This can apply to marriage or raising children. Now, I typically give examples and speak more to the raising of children. However, apply it to any relationship in your life. Absolutely. And the question that came in was was framed about marriage. So hopefully this can, can help some of you. So as I said, I typically speak to parenting and I have a parenting course called Being a Happy and Connected Parent. It's a game changer, my friends. There's a link in the show notes to buy the course. It has a payment plan and it is hands down the greatest gift you can give yourself for every relationship in your life. Teaches you thought work, how to feel your feelings, exactly what I'm talking about here, how we don't change others and we don't. So how can we find peace ourselves? What thought loops can we create for ourselves? How can we honor our feelings? And then there's 13 modules. The last six modules really talk about strategies, how to be a great leader for your kids, things to say back to to stop the arguing or the fighting. There's a lot of really practical tips too, which I think is super important in a parenting course. No one wants just fluff, right? Here's the latest testimonial and then we'll get into this episode. Hi, Riddell. I bought your course in the month it launched after my friend who bought it earlier in the month said it was absolutely brilliant. However, I did not make it a priority until this last month. It is such a game changer. Why didn't I have these tools and ways of thinking through this whole pandemic? I'm kicking myself for not listening to it sooner. It has now made this last month and every relationship in my life infinitely better. Thank you. Thank you. I hope everyone takes the opportunity to buy your course. You should, me too. You should be so proud of its content. Thank you again. Oh, that's so sweet. So yeah, link below or just Google being a happy and connected parent and it'll bring you there. So on to today's episode. Here's the hard truth. We want people to change so that we can feel better. We're all just seeking to feel a certain way in our lives, okay? All of our behavior is driven by seeking a feeling. We want them to give off the emotion that will help us to feel the emotion that we want to feel. Again, we're all just seeking to feel a certain way. And we do this with our children, our partners, and our friends, But the truth is, we have to go first. You cannot go first either, expecting that they will follow. To get really, really clean on managing yourself and letting other people manage themselves, you have to allow them to be who they are, even when that feels so disappointing. We have this idea that people should always be the best versions of themselves, But somehow we forget that we are not always the best versions of ourselves. Now, is it difficult to be married to someone emotionally immature or raising kids who are emotionally immature by their very brain structure nature? Yeah. And yet you married them. (laughs) You made that choice. And so unless you are willing to change the circumstance and make a different choice, which is well within your right, right? You likely need to let them be them. That's hard to hear. I know that. And I know that for raising kids, if you have a very volatile teen or a very emotional child, 
letting them be them requires a lot of growth in us. And it's because we live so much in the land of disappointment and wanting them to be someone else. So, so much of conflict in marriage is that we marry a person and then in the back of our mind, we think we'll change them. My aunt once told me that we see the man or woman at the end of the altar, uh, uh, you know, and we think I'll alter him or her. There is no changing someone to be a version that you like better. Do we have influence? Yes, of course, especially over our kids, because their brains are actively looking for someone to to follow and to their brains are attuned to gaining information on how to be a human in the world. So you have a lot of influence, even subtly over your kids and even over your teens. You have less influence over your spouse. But yeah, sometimes you have influence. That's about all we have. We can make requests. We have some influence. And then we're just simply left with the ability to control ourselves. So I guess that's kind of the bad news is that I can't wave a magic wand and tell you how to make your partner act better. I also always want to add when I'm talking about something like this, that if you are in an abusive situation or if your child or partner has suicide ideation, that's far beyond the scope of this podcast. You need personalized help. So from a doctor or mental health professional, please reach out to someone that can look at your situation personally. Okay. So back to this, I received a question from someone whose partner reacts in large dramatic ways and tries to draw the other partner into arguments. And this is not easy to navigate and navigating it absolutely takes emotional maturity, hence this podcast, okay? So if you have a partner who is emotionally immature often, it's a struggle. I feel like it's a lot like navigating a relationship with a child or a teenager. And I don't say that with judgment. I simply say that to acknowledge and empower you to know that really the same tools that I teach in my parenting course apply if your partner is very emotionally immature. And the question that was posed after kind of an explanation about their partner was, how do we deal with someone else's big emotions? And the short answer is, You leave them with them. We don't control others. We do not control how quickly they can realize they're acting like a fool. We don't control how often they overreact to small things. We do not control their reactions or their disappointment or their words. This goes for teens too and children. We only ever control us. I feel that in parenting especially, this is the most difficult thing for people to really understand. And it's because it wasn't taught to us. It wasn't taught to us because our parents really tried to control us. Often it didn't work. Well, it really doesn't work. The only way you control people is through fear. And I, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, especially with what's going on. It's because we have this story that people should always be the best versions of themselves or just even a slightly better version of them that we have pain. We love them, but we always in the back of our mind wish they were just a little more X, Y, or Z. And the truth is, while we absolutely do not need to feel happy about the certain behaviors, we can always go to empathy in our mind And try to understand how is it serving them to act the way they are. Because most people have a pretty dang good reason for acting how they do. It's a coping mechanism. It's serving an unmet need. It's a dysfunction. But all of those things serve them. That's why they choose it. 
I think that even when someone's behavior seems disappointing and selfish and hurtful, the truth is they are likely doing the best that they can. And often behind poor behavior is trauma, anxiety, depression, food sensitivities, sleeping issues, or simply poor coping skills. And we like to frame things to justify our judgment. So in our minds, the little dance we do is like, they need to improve because it would be better for them. We especially do this with our kids. If they could just be a little more or less of whatever, this is what we tell ourselves. If they could just be more of this or less of this. But the truth is, it's still judgment. Is it possible that they're having the exact experience they should and learning the lessons that they're meant to learn? As soon as we get caught up on how someone else should be more or less of something or better at something, we are shining a light on their faults and we are not working on our own and we have faults. Absolutely. Or rather things we need to grow in. Okay. So stop wanting to only love and accept the version of your kid or your partner or your friend that is less or more whatever, you know, and just love them as they are now. Do not buy into the mindset of this toxic perfectionism that we can only love people when they act according to the manual that we have for them in our head. <laughs> okay, so I, I am going to get to, how, well, so how do we cope? How do we have boundaries, all that? It's coming, hang on. Let me just drive this point home. Absolutely, when people are acting in a disappointing way, you have every right to also act in a disappointing way. You can get in there and fight back and get rip-roaring mad, but let me know if and when and how that ever serves you. It does not. The truth is we always want to fix them so that we can feel better. Just let them be in their own stew of misery. You don't need to join. We want them to be happy so that then we can feel peace. We feel that if everyone around us does things just right and no one is struggling or saying rude words, then we think our angst and our judgment can rest and then we'll have peace. It doesn't go that way. We don't control others. So we need to stop trying to fix everyone around ourselves. And rather, we need to love them and we need to work on ourselves in love. We only control ourselves. So it does need to be said that if this is a relationship with a partner that's become toxic, again, seek professional help. However, no matter where you are at in the relationship journey, stay in your power. Your power is that no one has, I hope, forced you to be there. When we think we are stuck, we're at the mercy of our partner's fits and we'll feel scared and we'll feel stuck and we'll spin. You always need to step in your, in your personal power with the thought that you can always change your circumstances. It could be very painful and scary to change your circumstances, but they are yours to change so long as you live in a free country, okay? For people seeking counseling and mental health help, all for it. I think everyone should have a therapist. If you think your child or your partner needs one, have that conversation. Do anything you can to encourage that. Find ways to free up money in the budget if you can. But also remember that no one needs your judgment. They need your love and your modeling. You go first. They learn from watching you. And maybe they won't. Or maybe they'll internalize the message. And if it's a child, years later, it'll come out. I know there's messages that my mom modeled for me that now as an adult and a mom of my own, I think, 
I think back to that. Oh, I remember she would do this. Oh, I should do that. That was a, a healthy behavior. I've legitimately had those thoughts. Either way, we don't control them, no matter how disappointing their behavior may be. It is just the hard truth. If I knew how to tell you on this podcast how to change others, make them easier, make them less difficult, I would tell you. But the fact of life is we change ourselves only. If you want them to be less sassy, you be kind. If you want your child to be more tolerant to others, you be more tolerant to them. If you want them to be more active, you go be active and invite them in. It is so easy in relationships to go to a place of villain and victim. We all do this. I have a podcast on this, that every victim wants a villain. Go back and listen to it. But it does not serve us. When they are the villain, we then have to become the victim. So when we view them as the bad guy, the villain, we're the victim. And from that place, we feel stuck. We feel scared. And we lose all access to what is in our power. And it models for our kids that the world is happening to us, not for us. It's totally disempowering. More than that, the person who has to feel those awful ruminating feelings is you, not the other person. It's you. So the best self-care that you can give yourself is to forgive others, hold them in a place of compassion and less judgment so that you get to feel better. So then four things that can serve us when we're with a tricky person curiosity is number one, going to, I wonder why, just get your brain to start looking for, I wonder why this person acts this way. Number two, awareness of patterns. Hmm, I notice that when X happens, Y happens. Just start being aware of the patterns. This will serve you. Number three, empathy. Ah, I bet he has a good reason for acting that way. Even if you think the behavior is ridiculous, what is the reason for this person doing that? Does it help them let off steam, even if that's not the best way to do it? Whatever. Get curious and have some empathy. And then number four, and this is essential, boundaries when needed. I'll talk a bit more about the boundaries in about two minutes, okay? Absolutely boundaries when needed. Take care of yourself. Do we need to stand there while someone is yelling at us and berating us over spilt milk? No. Boundaries, friends. Do we need to get our teen to stop their angry fit of disappointment um, because we said no to something? No. So if your partner's berating you because you spilled milk and it's going on and on, friends, you have two feet and a heartbeat. Walk away. If they don't let you walk away physically, that is a whole different ballgame, friends. Pick up your phone and call for help, okay? But assuming this is someone just throwing a verbal fit and berating you, walk away. Put a bubble around your body in your mind. Let their words deflect right off it and reply with, you are feeling anger and I see that. I love you. I am not willing to fight over this and so I'm going upstairs. I'm going on a walk. I'll give you the space you need. Feel your anger and walk away. They're not going to be like, you're right. You know, walk away. You don't need to stand there and hope that a light bulb goes off. Two feet in a heartbeat. A person who is in a fit that's ridiculous has no access, very, very, very little access to their logic and reason that is found in the prefrontal cortex. Rather, they have what Dan Seigel calls a flipped lid. They're acting from a primal part of their brain and they are in fight mode. Don't join them in that muddy pond. I teach this in the course in depth. But you also don't need to judge them for being in the pond. Something's clearly going on for them. So you don't need to change them in that moment. And you don't need to be part of that moment, okay? 
in that exact moment, no change will happen. Now, maybe outside of the moment with conversation, asking them to seek help for their anger, their anxiety, their depression. Can you make those requests later? Yes. But again, those need to be far less about you controlling them and far more framed in a way of what you will or will not do. So, hey, when someone screams at me over a small mistake, my choice will be to walk away or I will not be in the same room as someone who's berating me. Okay. If someone is saying to you that oh, you're leaving because you can't handle the truth or spewing angry things at you, you can simply agree in a peaceful way that's still honest with you. You know, yeah, I won't be in this discussion with this energy. You could be right. I could be right. And I'm happy to talk later. I love you. And now I'm walking away. The reason we feel icky when we walk away is because we want them to change who they are and to not have the struggles that they are so clearly having. We have the thought that they should be better, and they're not in that moment anyways. Again, this is not applying to abuse, okay? So if you have a spouse or a child or a teen who's acting emotionally immature, you need to go in peace and not need for them to act better for you to feel better. Man, this takes a lot of work, but it is a life changer. To be honest, the ball was dropped on teaching emotional maturity to our generation. So there is a lot of this going on in marriages. And because a lot of parents are still learning this work, please get my course. Our children, our teens, some of our teens don't know how to be emotionally mature either, but there is lots of time. Do the course Work on yourself and model it for your kids. There is time to still teach our children emotional maturity and ourselves. So number one, empathy help helps. Mantras help and realizing we don't control others helps. This is my summary. So empathy, mantras, and realizing we don't control others. So you have a teen throwing a fit. Empathy, whether whether you say it or just think it is, wow, this is a person really struggling with what is. My teen is feeling such disappointment and it's coming out as anger. These are thoughts, okay? So this is the empathy in your brain or, wow, my partner must have a lot of stress because does this ever feel like an overreaction? I hope they'll be okay. That's just two examples. You can have a million different empathetic thoughts. Mantra, number two, think of a mantra. It's similar to a thought, okay? But usually it's a little bit shorter. I don't need other people to act a certain way for me to feel peace. I generate peace for myself. Or he can act that way and I get to choose to still feel this way. Or he can want to verbally fight, but I do not need to participate. I love him and I love me and that's a no for me. So when we realize that we don't control others, which is the third piece on this summary, all humans are struggling with something. (laughs) You can think, I see this person I love is sure struggling with X, Y, or Z. I can make requests when they're calm and hopefully they will consider them. I also have every right to change the circumstances or leave this relationship. This is their storm and it must feel so painful in their body, but I am calm. And it is okay for humans to not act perfect all the time. I show up in love. I also love myself and give myself space when I need it. One of the mantras in my course, it's a beautiful quote you can print out, is compassion brings back connection. There is no other way. Also, I'm going to leave you with using the word and. I use this a lot in a million different situations. So I can use and. For example, I see that you were very angry earlier over a mistake I made. 
And I won't stay in a room where I'm being yelled at, honey. Okay. And is always more powerful than but. So to your teen, I see that you are so disappointed with my no. And I love you. And it's okay for you to be disappointed. See the and? And it is okay for them to be disappointed. It is okay. We want them to change and feel better and be happy with everything because we think that then we can feel better. Okay, you know, peace is restored. Everyone's good. No, you got to you gotta generate that peace for yourself, even if people in your family are having bad days and bad moods. Or, or though, I mean, I'm raising four kids. They're all going to be preteens at once. The, or my, think of the waves that's going to come, the waves of emotion. If I don't manage myself, can you imagine how turbulent my boat ride's going to be? No, they can have their bad days and their big preteen emotion. And I can just hold it all steady, okay, for myself. That's how we do it, my friends. I hope this helped. Please take a screenshot right now, add it to your Facebook status, your Instagram story, and tell people to give this a a listen. This really will change things for a lot of people, and I want it to reach as many ears as possible. Have a great day. Check out my parenting course, and thank you for listening and being here. Be well.